Welcome back to Behind Our Door. Hi, Julie. Hi, Nancy. I see you're still standing after a very important weekend. Yep. And I, I'm very carefully saying it now because it was a surprise party. Secret. I would not want to ruin that on our national no, podcast. Thank you for not fronting me out while my husband was here. <laughs> yeah, we threw my husband a big 50s surprise party. And the topic of conversation was this podcast. I was so honored. Oh, that's great. Yes. Um, his family has listened to it and sent it out to the rest of the family. I was shocked, to be honest. Um but overwhelmed with the feedback. They they genuinely loved it. They they like our podcast. I think we have... That's great. I think we have more family members, Got too. Got some more followers. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's it was, great. It was super exciting to hear that. And um, Well, we love the feedback. We always love to hear what people think, even yes. at a party. It's nice to know. Yeah. And, and for the Behind Our Door family, don't forget that we do have a Facebook page. We do have Instagram. We do have Twitter. And... You know, we're hoping in the next coming year that we just keep growing because mm-hmm. the information is so vital. Exactly. Well, that's yeah. terrific. Yeah. So we're real popular on that side of the family right now. And I love it. Um, my husband really wants more followers on his podcast. So be sure to tune in. Oh, yeah. His, his yeah. episode. Yeah. Right. I told him I'd give him a little plug. <laughs> Have everyone listen to his. Yes. All right. Let's get started. Today we are going to talk to Pamela Harrington from Bring Change to Mind. I remember when this organization got started. Um, Their mission is to end stigma and discrimination surrounding mental health. Um, The other part of it is they're all about inclusion, and that's why I genuinely love them. So welcome, Pamela. Welcome Welcome, to Behind Our Door. Welcome to our family. Thank you so much for having me. Lovely to meet you both. It's so nice to have you here. So to start, give us a little um, history on Bring Change to Mind and how it got started. Bring Change to Mind was started in 2010 by the actor and advocate Glenn Close. Um, And it was as a result of her experiencing generations of her family that had undiagnosed or untreated mental illnesses and essentially had no vocabulary as to how to um, find a path forward. And at a point when both her sister, Jessie Close, and her nephew, Kaylin Pick, were going through um, a particularly rough time, in their, their mental health journey, um, Glenn decided that this, this was something that she really wanted to get very, very involved with and in and do her research and just really landscape, uh, look at the whole landscape of mental health work that was being done out there and realized that no one was really looking at stigma back in 2009 and 2010 when she was thinking about starting um, this group, this organization and nonprofit, Bring Change to Mind. And we've stayed very authentic to to this mission to um, end stigma and discrimination around mental illness over the last 12 years. Um, We have been normalizing conversations through public service announcements and over the last eight years working primarily with youth and knowing that if we can equip young people with the tools 
and vocabulary and the help-seeking behavior that they need, they will have a much better trajectory in life and be able to help themselves and their peers and their family and the greater community around them. Wow. When you said 2009, it really takes me back because I remember when this foundation was created. I used to be a big volunteer with a organization called the Balanced Mind Foundation, which is no longer around, unfortunately. Um, they did get taken up by, uh, what's it called? Ch- um, uh-huh. DBSA, Depression Bipolar DBSA. Support. Yeah, D- Depression Bipolar. Um, Bipolar Support Alliance. Was that Susan Madian that you worked with? Yes. So, yeah. I mean, I was just a volunteer. No one paid me to work there, but um, I dove in head first. I was a moderator. So as the organization began to get off the ground, they wanted to see what we were doing. And that's why I'm so familiar with the organization, because a lot of our people helped your people. So I feel like we're family (laughs) in some weird way. That's weird to say, but that's how I feel. Like it's bring change to mind. It will always be near and dear to my heart. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, when I came on board 11 years ago, wow. <laughs> um, wow. it was indeed a family and it was um, a few individuals that each were representing other organizations that, that banded together with Glenn and her family to to really kind of lend the the authenticity and the legitimacy to the organization and make sure that we could build this with people that were already in the field, that we weren't recreating the wheel, of course. Um, and so many of the, the folks that were with us in the very early days when we first produced a, a public service announcement at Grand Central are still very much in our in our orbit now. Um, wow, and we're that's a, terrific. We're a humble group, and we love we love the the people that have brought us to this point. Um, so we, um, I'm glad that you shared that. Thank you. Oh, you're so it's so it's so smart, and um, it's such a good place to focus as you focus on youth, because of course the stigma is changing with that age group, with the age group of young high school, middle school kids, where they're much more open about speaking about seeing therapists or just getting help. They share with one another if they're struggling, and more so than 10 years ago, 20 years ago. What kind of programming do you have in high schools? I briefly read that you do actually are in high schools. What does Bring Change to Mind have for for programs? And also, are they all over the country, or where are they? Sure. Well, we have um, a scientific advisory council. So everything that we do is is evidence-based and mm-hmm. and um, we work with scientists to make sure that we are effectively changing attitudes, minds, behaviors. Um, and that. so we worked with um, a number of scientists here in um, the San Francisco Bay Area, UCSF and UC Berkeley, when we developed this, this high school program. Uh, so eight years ago, we started with just 25 schools here in the Bay Area, and it's currently um, we're operating high school clubs across 38 states and have wow. 12,000 students involved right now, which is wow. incredible. And it is incredible. It's a club, so it's um, it's like a UN club or a Spanish club on a campus, but it is a Bring Change to Mind mental health high school club. And the students meet once a week or every other week, typically at lunchtime. And everyone is welcome. 
and we give um, each of the clubs across the country um, a stipend so that they can create activations that will have a ripple effect across the greater school campus. So it's not just the students that self-select to this, this club. They really are bringing messages out to the, the larger student population. And it's a, it's a very high-touch model. So we have a staff person for every 55 clubs so that we are building relationships with the students. We're helping them with their leadership opportunities. We have relationships with the faculty advisor that are they are so critical that we have um, a faculty advisor that is overseeing the club. And we know how burdened teachers are. Yeah. There's a, not a lot of time. And we have the most remarkable students and faculty advisors I across bet. the country. Wow. So, so what do the kids do in the club? I mean, do they share, tell stories, um, get out there? Like you're saying they have a stipend. What do they do with this? Well, we have, um, we have a, a protected portal that we've been building these different activations and, and um, conversation points and, and, and fun activities. But at, at the end of the day, we want these kids to come together and have fun and learn something and, and better their, their toolbox for helping themselves and their peers. So they can choose from over a hundred different things. Say it's around exam time and the students want to talk about how do we cope with stress around exam time. So they can go into the portal, kind of go through everything is organized by whether it's um, the time of year or if it's May Mental Health Awareness Month or if it's around stress stress, or um, they want to watch a movie that shows more about what bipolar disorder is or disordered eating. Um, so they, they really, it's, it's completely adaptable because never are two schools going to have the same student body right. or environment. So the students, they take the lead. You know, we give them so many different options. And of course, with our guidance, you know, we're, we're, they're never out there on their own. So if a, a student leadership will call one of our, our program team and say, we've had a loss on campus, someone, um, some student or um, someone in our school community um, lost their life. How do we start conversations? What do we do? And they'll be walked through, you know, the different things within the portal that they can do to help that community heal and to keep these conversations going. Um, and it is not curriculum and it's, it's not peer counseling because we want to make sure that the students know that there are clinicians, we hope, or wellness counselors or um, resources in their community that they can tap if they, they, they require additional help or being able to have that, that trusted adult that they can go and talk to. So important. Do you link them to services if they need them? We do. Um, each of our regional managers. So we operate the clubs in different regions. We have um, six primary regions across the country. And then we have students um, in clubs that actually don't reside in, in a specific geographic area. So, you know, everywhere from North Carolina to North Dakota to Georgia, Texas. So they would, they um, have a region, they have a, an interstate manager. Um, so we do connect them to national resources, but also the local regional manager will be um, working in tandem with different community partners on the ground. 
Wow, that is great. Yeah, terrific. How has Bring Change to Mind changed the conversation, do you think, about mental health? Oh, goodness. Big well, question. I've, I've been in mental health for 22 years. Um, <laughs> it was really hard to have any conversations with anyone mm-hmm. about mental health Agreed. back then. Absolutely. Um, so to see the way that this has, has changed, conversations have changed, public sentiment has changed, mm-hmm. legislators, school boards, you know, all of us, we're all talking about mental health now. So I think there, there is no measure um, better than to see that, um, you know, there is not a headline that doesn't speak about mental health right now. Um, so I think the conversation has certainly changed. There are pockets of stigma, um, whether it's cultural stigma, whether it's self stigma, um, institutional stigma. So there, there are still things that we have so far to go. Um, but we definitely see that the younger generation, that stigma is learned behavior and they Mm -hmm. have not learned this. Therefore, it's not something that even registers for them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful it really, thing. <laughs> it, yeah, it's beautiful. I, I agree. I, I feel as though kids today are just leading the way. Hopefully the parents really listen into yeah. this being finally, hopefully a, a, an illness like others, like we've always said. And the said. students, they really are. They're so, they so champion this work and they're so sophisticated in the way they package these conversations in their own way. It's a different lexicon from what you know you and I would talk about, really, in, in ways to, to really resonate with their peers. But they are bringing these lessons home and teaching up and teaching out to the, mm-hmm. the elder people in their lives. And it really does, it, it is changing systems. They are going to be that that next wave of leaders in, in politics and insurance and corporate America and changing workplaces and changing university campuses. So it's, I mean, that's, and we're even piloting a middle school project uh, program right now. So, I mean, the younger that we can start these conversations and these learnings, um, I think the better. Yeah. And that middle school really can comprehend this. They are, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, they're starting to really talk about this it's, it's been proven not too young. Yeah. Do, you, do you do things on the other end of the spectrum, anything with college campuses? You know, we started on college campuses. Um, Before anything? Did. Before high schools, you started? Oh, really? We did. We did. We spent five years at Indiana University in Bloomington, um, which essentially was a, a way to, to measure with 40,000 students in this community we, we tracked an incoming freshman class um, and, and followed them over the course of four years. Um, and it was called You Bring Change to Mind. Um, and it was also, it was club, peer-led. Um, we had worked very closely with, from the president's office to the resident advisors to the Greek system, the athletic system, the um, um, student government, and, you know, just had so many different activations and communications and where's your wellness center and this is what you can talk to your RA about and trainings and and we published that that um find those findings and it all worked 
But at the end of the day, we said, we just have to get younger before the kids even go off to college or university or workplace. We need to go younger. So there are some great organizations in the college space, but we, and we knew that we would really have to look at um, those years leading up to university. Um, A lot of our our high school graduates are still ambassadors and mentors for us, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, we'll say, you know, please look into the Jed Foundation. Please look into yeah, Active right. Minds. And those please are look great. into other organizations. And those are great on the campuses yeah. too. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah, I feel like when you get kids at a younger age, it's like a seed. Like you plant it, and it grows and grows and grows. And Nancy and I have had our own experiences through NAMI, um, educating high school kids, right, Nancy? Mm-hmm. When yeah. we met the National Alliance on Mental Illness, that is, and they have, I, I'm so interested in what you're saying about the high school programs because um, they have Ending the Silence, which is for high school, and that's how Julie and I met in that she was, um, we would do speaking engagements together. And one in particular that stands out was like a full day, nine periods of kids coming in. I think there were like 850, 950 kids throughout the whole day. And they would be sitting in an auditorium, you know, with all of their peers. And at the end, we'd have question and answer. And they were then standing up, raising their hand in front of all their peers saying, I think I have something of what you were talking about, depression or my brother or my mother. And I just was amazed then. And now this is more than 10 years later, I think that was. And so I love what you're saying, because it was such a, a great, a great thing to see then and now, now it's just, you know, exploded in such a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think the pandemic made a difference? I mean, everyone, you know, people were talking more about their mental health in general. Do you think um, that, do you see a difference? And, and also these kids were virtual. I mean, you know, they weren't in school for a year. I don't think we still yet know the full impact of what two plus years of pandemic will have on our students and our young people. Um, the, the amount of isolation and loneliness and despair Mm -hmm. and anxiety. And remember there were lots of other things happening at the same time. There was, um, the social justice, um, movements. There was a Mm -hmm. lot of eco anxiety that was coming from natural disasters and climate issues that, I mean, it was truly, such a difficult period of time, um, our, our students remained engaged. We pivoted very quickly That's great. to a virtual model. Um, <laughs> we learned what we didn't, um, you know, we had, we had always said that the, the beauty and the, the, the integrity of this program is that we're with the, the students from September until June, whenever they get out of school that it is a weekly in-person contact because that human to human connection is Mm -hmm. so, so important to be able to read someone's body language, to be able to, to see how they're, they're moving through their day. I mean, it's, it's hard to, to determine you sitting in a zoom box on the other side of the country. You could be just smiling and, and appearing to be great, but what happens when that zoom box turns off so we, um, but we had no choice. So we went virtual and uh, our wait list grew. The number of students that we were recruiting grew. Wow. Um, they were really so eager for that connection and that, 
and to and it it actually allowed us to take instead of you know school x sitting in city z we put all the kids together in these zoom oh that's interesting and so kids from across the country were connecting to one another and we'd bring you know really inspirational or aspirational speakers their way whether it was an athlete or a musician or a politician or a, a behavioral health app developer and you know, they really did learn how to network with one another. And then they all connected on social media and a lot of friendships were made that way. And the oh, program grew this. and we, we've never marketed this. It just keeps growing and growing and growing by word of mouth from the students. It's the students that find us. It's the students that run these, these, these clubs on their campus and they're telling their friends. And then other kids are just, you know, a f- finding some cool activation that we've done on social media and then reaching out and saying, how do we do this on our school campus? That's that's just fantastic. Wow. That's great. But I also feel like, I feel like when I grew up, we didn't know the words to describe the issues that were happening. And I, I feel like that's the main change in the conversation is that they're able to identify that maybe this might be depression or anxiety or bipolar disorder or something of that sort. So we're giving this these next generations a language, right? Absolutely. You, okay. Absolutely. And I think we are also, when we do, um, we do surveys at the end of the spring semester before the students leave, um, and we see that help-seeking behavior goes, it's like 80% increase in help-seeking behavior. So being able to not only understand what it is that they might be feeling or experiencing, but what do you do with that and who do you go to? Um, And I think that is, that's one of the most exciting things to me is that students are speaking out for themselves or their peers. Um, And as you said, they now have the vocabulary and maybe the if, if something gets to a, a, a warning point, you know, what to do with that kind of information. Do the parents or teachers ever get involved in this? I mean, here the kids are getting the language. They're getting, um, they're, they're in this room, whether it's virtual or otherwise, to realize the most important thing, that they're not alone, that other people feel like this, which is the best thing on earth. Um, but then they go home to their parents and um, do they... Do they have some sort of way to, I don't want to say involve, but include include the parents in this conversation so that it's not such a black black and white in school and then go home and convey what what they talked about or that they're even in the group in the I mean well, in the club? Oh well, we need to have parental consent. Okay, so yes, the parents do know um, things change. You know, the minute you put a couple of adults or parents in the room. The kids don't talk. Mm-hmm. This, 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 is, this is the kids. Yeah, this this is the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in a safe, protective environment with a staff person and a faculty advisor. Um, but it's really, it's their club. It's their empowerment. Um, and I, I, I do know that they, they talk to their parents. That's from, you know, from all the parents that we've had um, conversations with we we know that it's really impacting the family dynamic yeah, i was wondering about that um, yeah, like do you, do you get that. do you have some way to collect feedback from the families or the parents 
Um, or it's just it's just that you hear. We don't survey parents. Yeah, but you say. just it's, hear. You just hear yeah. through it. You know, anecdotally, good, we'll hear. good comments. I'm sure for yeah. the most part, that's it's terrific. Yeah. And from the faculty advisors as well. And so we're just through, I think I've mentioned, we've had this very ridiculously busy fall. We have just completed our sixth student summit in five weeks. Wow. So these are, um, we, we bring students together from all over, um, a re- from a region. So some students, we provide all the buses. So some kids are traveling two, three hours away to come to these oh, summits. Wow. And is it and an, all, also, an all day thing or it's, yeah, it's uh it's usually 10 to three. Um, so we've been holding them across the country and we actually did a virtual summit as well this weekend, this past weekend for those students that could not actually go to a, a physical summit. Um, but we also bring the faculty advisors. They're all invited and many of them do attend. So we do breakout groups, um, facilitated breakout groups. And the one that we had here in Northern California three weekends ago, we had a really large number of faculty advisors that gave up a full Saturday to come on buses as chaperones with these students oh, and interact wow. with one another about the way the, Im- the impact of these clubs and the conversations, that, that effect that it's having on, this, on the entire school body. Um, but certainly around the students that they work with and how it's really changing. Um, it's changing everything. Um, and you know, and most teachers are in and around, you know, they're, they're say middle-aged and everyone (laughs) will say this just never would have happened when I was in high school and how, courageous and incredible Mm -hmm. and powerful these these young people are and and how they're they're really they're really going to be those effective change makers that we can all lean into and there's no doubt there's no doubt about it resiliency what you're doing is is making a huge difference for the future of of just stigma but these kids have a whole different story ahead of them that they would have had if they couldn't have the conversation. And even more exciting, those same exit surveys that we do at the end of the school year, I think last year, 61% of the students um, said that they want to go into behavioral health. Uh, I was going to ask you that. I was going to say, how many kids have decided because of this? Oh, gosh. So, I mean, many of them are going into psychology and counseling and pre-med programs or you know, when we brought in app developers that were creating sleep apps and, um, you know, depression screening apps, I mean, they, they're looking at behavioral health career paths in a whole spectrum of ways. It's not just, you know, I'm going to be a psychologist. It's across the spectrum. It could be behavioral health nursing or, you know, it's, it's just, we are building this pipeline of, of, of a whole demographic that is looking at this in a completely different way. So it's, it's yeah, great. you're right. I never would have looked at it like that because I always wanted to be a clinician growing up, but I too thought like I'll be a doctor and sit behind a desk and mm-hmm. you don't have to be that person anymore. You can do anything. And these kids are so, so far advanced. Mm-hmm. And throwing themselves into this field, being exposed so early to 
the whole conversation is just amazing. So on a different note, um, with Bring Change to Mind, I saw that it's also, you know, telling stories, which is so much of, um, of these mental health organizations. And of course, found as it was founded by Glenn Close and with her family situation in mind, I see that there are role models that are, you know, the people that are in the business of the performing arts and that people know who they are, that speak out about their own mental health. Is this a large part as well of what Bring Change to Mind does? I mean, we know that with just the whole, um, the whole t- time period now of people coming out more and more with their own story that are famous in one way, shape, or form that are truly role models, is this something that exists in your organization? Well, we've been crafting these stories for 12 years now, um, and we've changed up the message the messenger quite often because you know the messenger depends on you know or the listener it depends on who's delivering the message so um you know glenn was clearly our our first founder and and messenger and storyteller along with her family Um, we then realized that when we were looking at our analytics in the early days that we weren't reaching a lot of men um, hmm. and then oh, we realized we, we needed to, yeah. to, you know, change the messenger up a bit. So we went with, um, Wayne Brady helped us out quite a bit. Um, Brandon Marshall helped us in our first mm-hmm. men's mm-hmm. campaign. Um, we had an NHL player and a musician. So all of a sudden, all of our analytics skewed and we got more men sharing stories. Um, we've worked very closely with Kevin Love over the past number of years, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're still trying to to get more young men talking about this. So um, we have two young ambassadors that are really quite wonderful and have huge followings. Um, Chase Stokes, who is an actor, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Outer Banks, and um, Joshua Bassett, who is a performer singer. So we we really, you know, we have gone that route with people with with bold face names that are, you know, in, in sports or on stage or in film. But honestly, that can also be a little detrimental when, you know, it's the real authentic stories of the person that lives next door or that yeah. sits on the bus Absolutely. next to you. Or yeah. That is oftentimes more impactful. Um, impactful in that you have a shared commonality. Um, you know, it's hard to envision being, a six, seven NBA player with, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers. I don't know that my story is necessarily the same as theirs, Mm -hmm. but you know, if it is someone, if it's a peer, um, I think that those have been oftentimes some of our more effective storytellers. And And you have that, you have peers, you have just stories, people that are coming out and attached to your organization, telling their story. Yeah. I mean, stories are so important. They, you know, in general, they really bring the topic right to the surface and well, people listen very carefully to the stories. They yeah. Come and, away. and I think people who have money or come from money or are living in that, we view it differently, right? Because you're like, oh, they could get whatever help they need and see whatever director they want. And I'll never have that opportunity. And so I think they connect more emotionally on a level with someone who looks more like them and is in the same situation as they are. Exactly. 
What? So we do both. We yeah. do both. Yeah, it's great. Because it, you both never know when important. that message is being heard. Yeah. You know, it's... and we certainly want to be able to leverage the really large platforms that a lot of our ambassadors have. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do have have influence, but it is is as important that we listen to our students when they're having a, a, an assembly and there are a thousand students in that in that gym talking about mental health. That is as important to us oh, as having, fantastic. you know, someone who is walking a red carpet. Mm-hmm. It's just yes. as important. Agreed. Agreed. Don't forget, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We welcome your input. To contact us or any of our guests, please email us at mail.com. That's mail.com. And please don't forget to like and share our podcast Um, leave us a rating. Tell us how we're doing. We really want your feedback. It's important to us. We are so thankful that you are here and listening to us. If you or someone you know is in crisis struggling with mental illness, you can call the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or the NAMI Helpline at 1-800-950-6264. Until next time, please join us for another conversation behind our door. Thanks for listening.